I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We're seeing things in a different mm. way. That is good beer. Days. It really is. It sure ain't no surprise. Yeah! <laughs> oh, good Dude, stuff. That was perfect timing. <laughs> you nailed that. That was awesome. Oh, man. Great start to the show. All right, here we are. Welcome back to Geoholics, episode 154. 154. Man, time flies. You know? It seems like just yesterday I was like, oh, we're at 149. It was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we blinked and it's five episodes later. It's like a month. I know. I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. One thing we got to mention, though, we are, I know we've been talking about this for a while, and I, just because I've gotten so excited about it, we are so close to 100,000 listeners. In fact, if it's not this week, it's going to be next week. Yeah, yeah, it will be, it will be this number. year. Yes. And as a result, we are going to be doing something really cool. We want to oh, acknowledge yeah. our listeners for this monumental accomplishment. We are going to be doing a, a giveaway. It's going to be via social media. It'll be some sort of like, like and share this post to get qualified. Then it'll be like a random name draw type thing. But we have got so many really cool prizes lined up for for this uh, this event from our, our sponsors. You know, the, the friends of the program have been great all throughout the year. They're coming to the plate with some really cool stuff for this. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to share it. It'll be next week. Next week, this is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, there's some good so. stuff that's been that's been thrown off and offered. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be, be cool. awesome. So be on the lookout for that, of course. Um, also, we just walked in the studio and there was a package on the table from our good friend, Mister. Uh, if you listen to episode one fifty two two. 152, uh, Mr. Tony Vetterelli. I'm holding the book up like everybody can see it. Um, he sent us a couple copies of his book, personalized and autographed. Oh, yes. Along with a incredibly kind note that he sent to us. And uh, just what an amazing human being. If you listen to that episode, you know exactly you know, what I'm talking about and why I'm saying such nice things about him. But just an incredible, yeah. incredible yeah. Great guy. Great guy, great guy. Yep. Great episode as well. Um, man, oh man, we got some great stuff lined up for next year. I am so excited. One thing I do want to announce is that uh, Trent Keenan, Diamondback Land Surveying, and Get Kids Into Survey mm-hmm. are uh, going to be the studio sponsor next year. Big news. Big news. And I'm so not, exciting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, mm-hmm. I am so excited. <laughs> uh, we just got so many cool things going on. I, I'm not going to not, I mean, I'm chomping at the bit to release some of these, some of this information that I just cannot talk about quite you yet. You just got to wait. Yeah, yeah. We got to wait. everybody in suspense. Another couple of weeks, but man, oh man, we got some great stuff going on in 2023. Absolutely. Uh, other than that, I'm in a great mood tonight. Really? I didn't notice. Because, I mean, one, of course, I had a couple beers before the show. That always contributes to a good mood. Sure. But besides that, I got a massage this week. Really? Yes. I haven't had a massage in like, I don't know, two or three years. Uh-huh. And I forgot how much I love a good massage. I, uh, I'm not a massage guy, so I I'll take your word you on can. that. Yeah. And it was like, um, it seems like ever since, and I'm not sure the, the correlation here, but ever since uh, Dimensions, I've had this back spasm mm-hmm. and it's like something that is just like lingering. I went to a chiropractor <laughs> thinking like an adjustment was going to help and it just didn't really do anything. So then I was like, mm, maybe I should go get a massage. And I had a, a gift card from like two Christmases ago to go get a massage. So long story short, I go get a massage. 
come back out of come out of that feeling phenomenal. And I think it I think it really did help because I am in a totally different place today than I was like three weeks ago. Uh, that's great. I'm the opposite. Uh, I hate massages. When when I go, I don't go anymore. But when I, my wife convinced me to to try it, yeah. and I went in there, and it was like a fight between me and 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 the <laughs> massage therapist. And I was like, they they would be pushing on a knot, and I'm like pushing back, and like we have this constant battle. And by the time I'm done, like nobody won. Like, oh my <laughs> she was mad, like I was mad, and oh, I geez. left with the same knots that I started with. So, oh my gosh, what it, about a what about a pedicure? Are you a pedicure guy? Is that that's feet, right? Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, no, no, I'm no. good on that. You just don't like random people. I don't people. think someone likes being touched. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like random people <laughs> touching, touching your body. Me. No, I'm, no. I'm, I'm good. Not good. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave it at this. John at Hand and Stone at 7th Street in Glendale, you have the hands of an angel, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get on with this. Tell us about the opening number. Oh, in case anyone doesn't know who that was, that was Aerosmith. Song called Living on the Edge. Man, I remember this song so well and the video and uh, Alicia Silverstone and all that stuff. So, anyway, Aerosmith's American rock band formed in Boston, 1970. Group consists of Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, and Brad Whitford. Their style, which is rooted in blues-based hard rock, has, in, has also incorporated elements of pop rock, heavy metal, glam metal, and rhythm and blues, and has inspired many subsequent rock artists. Aerosmith is the best-selling American hard rock band of all time. I did not know that. Having sold more than 150 million records worldwide, including 85 million records in the United States, with 25 gold, 18 platinum, and 12 multi-platinum albums, they hold the record for the most total certifications by an American group and are tied for the most multi-platinum albums by an American group. I did not know that they were the best-selling American hard rock band of all time. Yeah. Maybe it's the hard rock distinction, but Maybe still. Maybe it is. Who else, but who when else you think comes to mind? 12 multi-platinum albums is insane. Yeah. Who, like, who else comes to mind? American rock bands. I mean, because the big ones, of course, Stones, not American, Beatles, stuff, you know, yeah, bands Zeppelin, like that. not American. Zeppelin, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of, yeah. you know, maybe the Eagles, but I don't know if you put them in the, the hard rock category. So, yeah, good and for them. No, I would I normally so. tell a story right now about Steven Tyler being one of the top 10 best front men I've ever seen. But mm. Sean's going to give me way too much shit. So I'm not going to tell my Steven Tyler story to save face. What? Because everybody is in the top five? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, of course, we're in the Diamondback Landsurfing Studio, soon to be the Diamond DBLS slash Get Kids Into Survey Studio. I love the Get Kids Into Survey Studio. Huge. I think that's a be- I think that's a great name. Absolutely. Um, one why I did actually, I talked to TK this past week, and where was he? He was at like the national high school guidance counselor conference, whatever. And he had a great booth set up there, you know, promoting surveying. And that is something I've been talking about. And we're going to get into this more on on this episode, but that's Mm -hmm. something I've been talking about for quite some time. It's like, those are the people we got to get in front of, at least here in the States, it's the way it works. These guidance counselors, you know, they don't even know about surveying. So how can they even recommend it as a profession to these kids if they don't even know about it? I I think uh, when you told me about that, I was, it, it was like a genius. Like, yeah, it's like, absolute man, that's where, that's exactly where Trent should be. And mm-hmm. that's where, what he's doing is obviously he's always on the forefront of yep. all the things we're talking about, but man, he's got it figured out. You guys are just so far behind. We so really, we really are. Yeah, we we're really going to get are. to that here in just a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you for a for a loop here. Uh, okay, producer Sean. All right. Normally we would do the producer Sean, producer Sugar, degenerate lock of the week. Okay. So now I want to get your uh, take of the week. Okay. What is your take on the final four for the NCAA football playoffs? You mean the? Are you uh, happy with them? Um, I you know uh, the objective sports fan in me says okay, it makes sense. Those teams should be in. Me personally, I'm not a big Ohio State fan. Just yep. always not, you know, not one of my favorites. So I think the Big Ten wasn't the greatest conference. I think it wasn't as competitive. And a one-loss Ohio State team in the Big Ten may have been a little bit of a stretch putting them in because they got absolutely creamed by Michigan. Yep. So, you know, it's not the best, but also the idea that we could have a Michigan-Ohio State final would be – Awesome. I yeah. think that's good for football. I think that keeps everybody engaged. I think it's competitive. So I'm actually looking forward to when they expand it and having not having this discussion of yeah. this one play determined whether this one team really got in or this one bad game. I like to open it up a little bit. Uh, the idea that a two-loss Alabama team should be in, it, I, don't, I don't buy any don't of buy that. that. I, don't, yeah. I, I know that the competition is a little better in the SEC, but not so much that that would – yeah. catapult so yeah overall not not too uh you know i'm, yeah. I'm me- mediocre on it yep i mean i'm just i'm such a anti-ohio state fan and it just was so infuriating to me how they backed into the playoffs yeah as a result of you know tcu losing and uh who, who was the other one that lost uh usc usc yeah, yeah. i mean usc that was crushing to them yeah it really was that game that, that was horrible but the whole idea that people can back in and or you can lose a champion, you know, a conference championship and yep. not get in or get in. Like that's, I think the expanded playoff would really solve all that. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. It's going to get interesting. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Um, what's next? Liquid, the liquid deaths, weekly words of wisdom. This is interesting. It goes along with our topic this evening. Uh, Wait, so I don't get a, a lock of the week. You do you just, have one? You, do you yeah. have one teed up? Of course. I'll, I'll go quick. All right. It's the uh, Patriots at... The Cardinals, oh, Monday yeah, night yeah, football right. game. Cardinals are on Monday night. Yeah, yeah. Cardinals take are, it your own risk. Yes, <laughs> take <laughs> it as always. The disclaimer: yeah. I am a terrible better. Please do not mm-hmm. take my advice literally. If you have gambling problems, please see, ch- seek out the appropriate uh, resources. Yep. Uh, that being said, Arizona's getting a point and a half, and mm. they're at home on Monday night. Yep, they've been struggling. I I kind of like the Cardinals here. Uh, I think the the home atmosphere on Monday night. Um, we'll uh, we'll at least get them a win by a field goal. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. No, neither neither team's too great, so really? that's the, that's the lock. Uh, from last week, I think I don't even remember what last. So are you, week's are you was. taking? Are you are you taking the Cardinals plus one and a half? Yeah, yeah. All right, here we yeah. go. Here, I, oh, are you? Here we go. As Kent's placing his bet as right now. As, as, as placing the bet. On Sean's bet <laughs> yes. Right there. Yeah. There we go. All right. We'll report back next week. Awesome. Good job with that. Homer. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not the biggest Cardinals fan in Arizona, but. Any chance you're going to the game? Uh, There is a chance that I'll be going to the game, yeah. Do not tell me you're going with Ted after everything I've done with that guy. I'll probably be going with Ted. You bastard. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Uh, this week's Liquid Death Weekly Words of Wisdom. Uh, here we go. I like the idea of working outside, using my body and my mind together. I haven't been disappointed. Land surveying can be very physical work, but there is a strong intellectual and technological component as well. Uh, that is Mark Mason, if anybody knows who Mark Mason is. Please, I do not know who Mark Mason is. Please tell me, because I have no idea. I just found it on the internet. What did you look up? Quote, quotes from surveyors? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it came up. I'm like, hey, works, works for me. All right. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. If you have not heard of ChatGPT yet, there's a small chance that you don't use the internet, or you maybe live under a rock. I'm not quite sure. But seriously though, ChatGPT is a new online artificial intelligence system and it's sweeping the globe as we speak. So what then is this thing we call ChatGPT? Simply put, ChatGPT is an artificial intelligence chatbot that has the ability to have scary in-depth conversations with live humans. Unlike many AI systems in the past, ChatGPT does not use the internet to look up answers to the questions it is asked. Rather, it, is a, it has a stored database comprised of information up to the year 2021. This information is mined for what the system thinks you want to hear. For example, if you were to say the grass is always, ChatGPT would say greener. While this sounds uninspiring, the system is making waves to say the least. ChatGPT is fluid enough in conversation that most human beings would not be able to tell it's a computer. Additionally, ChatGPT can do things like math, write custom jokes, write short stories, make recommendations, and even check your programming code for syntax errors. The system uses deep learning to generate human-like text and conversations. You've got to see it to believe it. If you have a minute, I highly recommend checking out OpenAI's ChatGPT. A simple Google search will find it for you. While really powerful, I must say this type of technology has the potential to be extremely dangerous. Try it out and decide for yourself. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. All right, let's Not get bad. on with this. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. All right, so... Um, we have a, a panel discussion this evening. So what I'm going to do is everybody, the three uh, three of them, uh, do some self-introductions. One of them you know very well already, uh, Miss Peta Cox. Peta, uh, remind the folks who you are, what your current role is, and the number of years you've been in the survey industry. Mm, Peta Cox here, Sydney, Australia. 27 years of industry experience, field and education and I am the National Training and Development Manager for the Association of Consulting Surveyors in Nas National in Australia. Very good. Very good. Thanks for being here. Can we really fit, appreciate do it. Do you fit all that on your business card? I mean, that's a, that, I don't that, have that's a, business a, that's a card. lot. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I know. Oh, wait. What? You don't have a business card? Really? You guys have no. business cards in Australia? 
What do I need business cards for? How that's do people true. know who you are if you people don't give them a business me. card? Yeah, that's right. There that's you right. go. Yeah. There you go. All right. We also have Mike. Mike, you're up next. Just name who you work for, what you do, and how long you've been in the survey industry. I'm Mike McEvely. I, I work at Sitson Hill. We're a, a medium-sized uh, architectural, civil, structural engineering and land surveying firm in Tacoma, Washington. I've been surveying for 23 years. Um so essentially just run the day-to-day um, operation of a, of a fairly traditional land surveying group. How many, uh, how many folks are in your land surveying group? There's 15 okay. um, in our surveying group and then uh, just, just under 50 across the company. Okay, perfect. Thanks for being here. Appreciate that. Jim, you're up next. Thanks, Jim Kowalik. Uh, Work for Borton Lawson Engineering slash Precise Visual Technologies, one and the same on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. I'm the technology program manager over there for both companies. Day to day, pretty much running the laser scanning, drone, virtual VDC type mapping type stuff uh, with that company. Gotcha. I've been surveying for 15 years now. Perfect. Perfect. So we have a really good cross-section of folks here. This is going to be a really good conversation. Yeah. Um, so right now we do an icebreaker. This is a Trimble Pro Point icebreaker. Um, this goes along to goes along with a question that Sean approached me with this week. Um, it's kind of, this Whoa. is going to be funny. I'm, I'm worried. I'm no, 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 no. It's, it's really, it's painless. But, Peter, you are going to go first. Um, I always have to go first. Are you a uh, real or fake Christmas tree person? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I love real trees, but fake all the way. <laughs> fake all the way. All right. Uh, uh, when you were growing up in, in the house, was it a real or fake tree? When you were a kid, I think we had both. Had both. Mm. Yeah. At, okay. At different different times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's nothing like the smell of a fresh real tree. That is correct. Yep. But you but know what? You got to remember we're summer as well for our Christmas. I know so, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? They have candles that make up for that smell. Yeah, it's, it's like a real Christmas tree <laughs> candle you can light and get the same not thing. The yeah. Same. How about you, Mike? I'm real, real Christmas tree oh, all the way. There we uh, go. The the interesting part is that that we always plan on going to the Christmas tree farm, you know, cutting down our tree, taking it back to the house, the whole you know traditional Sunday after Thanksgiving kind of a thing. And and um, most years we seem to end up at the local corner gas station grabbing like the fourth to last tree <laughs> out of the yard and slapping it up two days before Christmas because we're just too busy with lacrosse tournaments or whatever else is going on. So, gotcha. but I love the smell of a real tree for sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, how about you, Jim? Uh, we were real up until a couple of years ago. We moved into a house that had, uh, it's on, on a well and it has a water treatment system in it and, Anything that we water with will kill the tree in two or three days. So, oh wow! Oh, wow. So, so we had to uh, we had to switch over. It's it's like a salt salt water treatment system. You put salt in the tree and it's yep. done. So, yep. Well, I know Sean's so. answer because Sean is a traditionalist. Yeah, I'm a traditionalist. I'm with Mike. Um, we actually, and it's it's a family exercise. You got to go and pick out the best tree, and you got to bring it in and make a mess of your entire house with. Needles everywhere, but I'm I'm sorry, you just can't beat the smell. And 
you know, you got to keep it watered and all that. I mean, the other thing is the we found a Christmas tree lot that was for the the Boy Scouts uh, mm. troop local oh, troop nice. did it. So gotcha. there's Boy Scouts there that help yeah. you load it and tie it to the car. So you know, feel a little bit you know attached to the community. You know, mm-hmm. give back a little bit. So, yep. but definitely a traditionalist. Mm. I grew up in North Carolina that was close close-ish to Christmas tree farms. So it was always a big thing for us. So sure. we kind of keep that going here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So if, if you're like looking into the future, um, you have a, a young daughter now Yep. and it's probably really exciting for her to go with the fam. You said it's a family oh, event, yes. you yes. know, the three of you go and get yep. a Christmas tree, uh, which is very sweet. That's awesome. Do you think when she's done and out of the house, you're still going to do it with, it's just you and your wife going and finding a real Christmas here. Do you think you're going to Take the path of least resistance and just get like a, a, a fake tree and just boom. Done. I don't even think once she is out of the house that we would be in our house over Christmas. I think we would take that opportunity to yeah. go on a two week vacation from Christmas through New Year's yeah. and not even mess with the whole fam. I'm um, not even mess with Christmas yeah. at all. Just yeah. yeah, I love that idea. Love that idea because man, what a pain. It's a pain. Oh, it I takes three days. The Christmas my house, tree up last year. Yeah, my house is a three-day endeavor. Mm-hmm. Oh, we putting mean, up a fake Christmas tree. It's like ten feet tall, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it just goes on and on and on. Well, I mean, we, it looks beautiful when it's done. We got our but, tree. Uh, the lights are up, but the ornaments aren't up yet, except for Peta. I must say there is one ornament. It was the little <laughs> ballerina ornament that Peta got for Evelyn, and that was the first thing that had to go on that tree, and she loved it. So it's awesome. Nice. So cool. So cool. Well, anyways, thanks everybody for being here. I'm a fake tree person. And um, you look like one. I. <laughs> so, so what you're saying now is you can, based on my appearance, you can tell that I'm a fake tree person. Totally. Oh, my God. I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> but I mean, when I was really young, like both me and my brother, when we were like young, young, I can remember doing the same type thing. You know, my dad, kind of like Mike's story, actually, you go to, we'd, <laughs> we'd go to the lot, seems like the last minute, you know, and like get the last oh, yeah. Christmas tree on the lot, you know, and dad worked, you know, 80 hours a week and oh, yeah, it was crazy. But, but still, you did it every year. We did. And I've been yep. in Mike's shoes too, we where yep. it was two days before Christmas, but. Sure as shit, we're going to that lot and we're getting something yep. and putting it up, and that's where the presents <laughs> Even are. Even like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Every year is different. That's right. And character, no doubt. All right. Well, again, thanks everybody for being here. Um, we have a pretty interesting topic to talk about. So I, I, I got to say, um, Jim and Mike, I, I was on a panel, on a, uh, a campfire discussion panel at the Reality Capture Network conference here about, gosh, a month or so ago now. Oh, it's way longer than that. Was it a couple months? <laughs> yeah. It's oh, a my couple God. Months. That's crazy. I cannot believe how fast time goes by. We, and, were, we uh, were at Trimble Dimensions a month ago. Okay. A couple months ago. Maybe three. Maybe it was a year. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was uh, you know, we had a really good time. You know, it was, it was a pleasure to meet these guys. Um, and afterwards we were talking about some of the challenges that the, the profession is, is experiencing and it's not different than a lot of things we've talked about previously on the show, but I thought it'd be a really good idea to, you know, bring these guys on and Pete as well with her perspective to just kind of talk about some of these alarming things that are happening with the profession and some of the mm-hmm. positive things that are being done to, um, you know, just, just kind of make things better. Um, you know, it, it's obvious that, you know, st- statistics show without a doubt that there's a declining number of surveyors, not just, you know, in North America per se, but it's, it's a global problem. And there's a declining number of people entering the land surveying profession worldwide. Now, you know, first of all, and Pete, I'll let you go first. I mean, am, am, am I wrong in, in saying that? Are you seeing something different? Everything I have seen shows that 
you know, things aren't looking good. What are you seeing? No, still seeing the same thing. We're, we're in a, we have a shortage um, and it's going to take a while to fill that shortage with the amount of work that there is. And in Australia, across the world of what you see um, and you speak to people and I probably get every day about two or three surveyors messaging me, ringing me, I need somebody, have you got somebody, we've got too much work to do, you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, consulting surveyors have actually done a study which is coming out early next year. We did one in 2018 that stated that there was going to be, or there is, and it's going to get worse, the shortage of surveyors within Australia. Crazy. Is there like um, any sort of like percentage or anything like we're short 25% of what the need is? Um, maybe that's going to come out in the study, but do you have any insight on something like that? Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure what actual percentage it is, but I, I think from memory, from the last study or from what's been happening, I'm sure that it's like 900 or 1,000 surveyors short next year mm. or over the next three years or something like that. So. Um, you know, that's a fair bit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. How about you, Mike? What, what's your experience and what are, what are you seeing? I mean, we, we definitely struggle locally. I mean, in the Seattle region and Pacific Northwest, I mean, there's, there's always firms looking for surveyors, hiring, you know, you hear stories of survey managers driving down the street and talking to other companies' crews, yep. you know, trying to recruit them over to their shop. And, um, <laughs> and it, it's been going on as long as I've been in the profession. You know, there's there's this a certain shortage, but I've also been through a significant recession during my career, and there was a lot of people left surveying during the recession. They, there wasn't enough work. Yep. Um, so I think there's a balance between being able to you know to to meet the demands and the workload in good times and maintain a workforce in in downtimes. So I think when we're we're in a superheated economy like we have been for the last several years. It's going to be hard to keep up mm -hmm. and to be able to serve clients in a in a quick manner for yep. sure. Yep. No. I um, point well well made there um, with the economy. I'm not sure how it is where you are specifically, but we can see here in Arizona how you know there was definitely a spike. You know everything was going crazy, but things are starting to retract just a little bit. Are you seeing the same thing where you are? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't know that that we're seeing it in our workload just yet. Mm -hmm. We're seeing signals of it and we're seeing signs of it in other areas, you know, new starts on on residential construction. We don't do really any residential work here, but but some of those those red flags um, are starting to pop up where we haven't seen that for years. Um, so, you know, I, I expect 23 that that, you know, we're, we're going to see some a little bit of a downward trend mm -hmm. on, on our workload. That's what I'm expecting. Yep. Um, who knows how severe it's going to be. Hopefully it's not as severe as the last one, but, but yeah, we're starting to see some of those early indicators for sure. Yep. Gotcha. How about you, Jim? Uh, what's it look like from your perspective? Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, touch on Mike's point there. Uh, for that last recession, I was in college, right? So uh, dating myself a little here, but we saw a lot of people come from other industries into our class. Mm -hmm. I was, so background, four-year survey engineering degree from Penn State. So I was a freshman that when that uh, recession was really hitting there. Um, we saw probably 10 or 12 different older people coming into our class to, to go to school for surveying. So I think it kind of works both ways, right? A lot of people were leaving, but some, a lot of people were kind of 
changing career paths. So that maybe that'll help uh, in, in what's coming up here. But um, that being said, we are very close to Penn State, right? We're 15, 20 minutes down the road. We used to have guys lined up at our door to come and work with us. We have probably 15 to 20 surveyors. We used to have people like one leaves immediately have five more applicants. Now we're, we're struggling. Like we, we maybe have two or three that we have to pull teeth to try and get yeah. to, to come work for us. So it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely tough. It, it, and that's only really been in the past three years for us. So you mentioned the fact that you have a degree from Penn State. Are you still, um, do you still stay in touch with the folks at Penn State? Like, yep. I guess my question is, what what are they seeing? Are, are the number of people going through that program increasing, decreasing? What does that look like? Yeah, so I'm actually on the board for their program. Um, so we meet twice a year, three times a year maybe, mm-hmm. um, go over curriculum, ABET type stuff. Um they have they have a significant amount of professors there. They have four different professors that were well known in the surveying industry: Chuck Alani, Tom Cyber, Frank Derby, Wes Parks. They were some of like the, the top guys, right? Chuck writes the book. He writes elementary surveying book. He writes some other books. Like they had those guys there. They left, retired, left, whatever you want to call it, right? Yep. So they then had to revamp the whole program, and and it, it really slipped for for a year or two there while they were trying to do that. Uh, so the enrollment really went down. Uh, they have some good good guys up there now that are completely revamping the program. They're putting um, new technologies into the program. Like up until last year, if you wanted to take a course in laser scanning, it was a, it was a tech elective, right? You had to do it after hours. You had to, you had to be chosen to do it. Like it, They're getting there, and I think they'll start to build back up. But even when I graduated in 2000, um 11 we had six of us that graduated we had 30 of us start we had six of us graduate wow that's amazing so it's it's (laughs) it's not an easy program it's there it's definitely tough but from 30 to six is pretty pretty drastic wow yeah Yeah. that's crazy that's crazy and you know you mentioned something there that i wasn't even really planning on talking about but these um instructors professors what have you they're retiring so then you got to backfill those positions with people that are, are qualified to do so and that are going to take it to the next level. And that itself is a massive challenge. And, you know, these, these you know, college degreed programs like Penn State, for example, um, you know, technology is advancing at such a rapid rate. You know, you mentioned scanning and, of course, drones, and there, there's just so much going on right now. It's hard to incorporate these latest and greatest technologies into these programs because it takes so long for that to happen. It's like, you know, steering or turning a battleship as they say, that type thing. So that, that's, that's a whole nother issue to be honest with you. Well, you say if it's uh, that there's a declining number of people entering the surveying profession, mm-hmm. yep. there's probably more experienced uh, teachers leaving than, I mean, there's, I mean, you yeah. think, you know, surveyors retiring there, like you said that, yeah, there is even more of a shortage of new mm-hmm. teachers coming around. And definitely not with that kind of experience. And I, I just never heard the perspective of mm. there was a, an immediate drop-off in, yeah. the, in the curriculum and who was joining it based on the teachers leaving. Yep, yep. Because Penn State, I know. I mean, I'm from the Midwest. Very respected program. Absolutely. 
Um, so yeah, interesting perspective there. How about, so Peter, like, uh, in, in your situation, um, you know, do you see the same thing happening as far as like instructors and I guess mentors, as far as that goes, um, do you see those folks kind of aging out, retiring? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been trying to, to push for a while for, to get teachers into the universities, into the vet sector, to bring mentoring back, you know, all of these older guys. But like, we need younger guys, girls, I say guys, I shouldn't say guys, people, um, stepping up and and um, giving a bit back to the industry so that we can keep it progressing. Um, you know, I've, I've got a friend of mine who's a university lecturer here in Sydney, and he's like, you know, he's gonna be retiring in, I don't know, five, 10 years or something. He's going, there's no succession plan. Oh. He's the youngest one there. At, I think he's 55 wow. or, or more, you know, kind of around that age, or, you know, around our age. And who's coming through? There's going to be no universities because we don't have the lecturers. Yeah. Um, I'm finding now, you know, I have my academy. We have TAFE that's de- that's delivering um, the, the vocational qualifications. And we have other issues trying to get people in to deliver with qualifications and stuff because you don't just have to have your degree or diploma or whatever it is. You've got to have other teaching qualifications. Yep. And if we're so busy in industry, nobody's going to go and do those quals to come and teach. I've now got teachers who um, who said that they would come and help, but now are too busy and are kind of pulling back from, from delivering now because mm. they're too busy in the industry. Wow. So it's just a, you, you kind of go around in this vicious circle of how are you going to fix it? Mm. How can we get people back in? Yep. Because if we don't, if we can't get people to do what I'm doing and what my friend's doing at university, then we're not going to have the qualified people mm-hmm. out in the field as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Hard. And then, you know, there's, there's been, uh, you know, a lot of states here, you know, in, um, in the United States that now require it, whether it be two or four year degrees mm. to become, uh, you know, a, a licensed surveyor. Um, you know, obviously I'm in the state of Arizona where post-secondary education isn't required. I don't know which one I necessarily agree with, but if there's a shortage of instructors, that's a problem. That's a mm. problem. You know, if there's not enough degreed programs available to folks, how do they check that box in order to become a licensed surveyor in a number of these states? What do you think about that, yeah. Mike? I mean, I, I think it's there's a, a it's a conundrum, right? You want you want the profession to be accessible to yep. people, but you you want the people entering the profession to have a you know a baseline understanding of the fundamentals. And um, I mean, I I personally I went to Renton Tech here in mm-hmm. in Washington, yeah. um, and it was great for me. It's it's the best decision I made in my career. And um, the late great Jim Cohn was. Yep one of my, my first mentors when I moved here to Washington um, and Martin Paquette is still running that program doing a fantastic job. And like Jim, I'm, I'm on the board of that program. And, mm. and it's, 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 I think we don't, we don't chase technology there. We, we, we really focus on the fundamentals, the things that, that, that we don't have time to, to teach people when they, when they join our firms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to have to go over the, the mathematical fundamentals or, or things like that when someone joins a firm. So we have an emerging technologies class that exposes students to what's out there. And that's where we draw on, on professionals locally to come in and do whether they're adjunct and they actually get a, 
paid a small amount by the school to come in and teach a class um, or they'll they'll come in and do a presentation you know a couple times during a semester on laser scanning for example mm -hmm. so it's a combination right i mean i like you said um if if we don't if we have an expectation that people from the industry are going to leave leave you know high paying jobs in demand jobs and teach at at a college program i mean that's going to be a really difficult thing to do mm. and i don't think there's a simple solution to it we're going to have to be really creative uh, and teachers are paid poorly too right exactly yeah so oh. why would you leave a high paying job to to go and yeah. for the good of the industry, right? And, yeah. and, you're, and you know what? Yeah. I mean, you just hey, said there's it. some there, of us. Yes, there are there are a lot of people that do that, and hats off to them. And mm. I mean, every great instructor of us in a surveying program in this country could make a heck of a lot more money in private practice or or the public sector. Mm. Yeah. So kudos to them. I mean, we need we need more of them. But I, yeah, I, I guess I don't see how it's it's great what those individuals do and we need more of them, but there's a disconnect between what we need and what's realistic to encourage somebody to not only get into the profession and then get into teaching that profession. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I don't know, like you said, it needs to be a, the, the community as a whole needs to band together and come <coughs> up with a creative way to encourage that. And maybe it is, um, uh, you know, the, the, School itself is not going to necessarily pay them, but the community, you know, as an aggregate may have to say, all right, well, right. there's a, you know, there's scholarships for people to come and I don't know what the word is, but some, some, mm. so, something to encourage instructors. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost going to take, in my opinion, um, like a, a, not almost like a guerrilla marketing type effort. You know, there's a lot of different things going on. Of course, you know, get kids into survey is doing really, really well with elementary school, that age kids. Um, you know, we, we talk about Trent all the time. You know, he's got a lot of really cool things going on. He's doing a lot of research and um, coming up with a lot of very interesting data to back up a lot of the different efforts that are, that are happening. Um, but man, oh man, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the solution is. I'm sure we're not going to solve it tonight unless somebody here has got like that miracle idea that's going to get us out of this conundrum. I have no idea. But um, maybe we should get some like, you know, there's there's career or career advisors at universities and yeah. colleges. Maybe we have to have like some quasi legal mm. way of, <laughs> of yeah. slipping the career advisor something to encourage surveyors. Yeah. I mean, something like that, right? Yeah, for sure. And you know, the thing is, is like, you know, Mike, before the show, we were talking about episodes that he listened to and he mentioned the Keith Masbach episode. And, you know, we, we've referred to this quote time and time again, where he said that we're in a, uh, a, a Globally, we're in like a, a geospatial moment. There is so much geospatially that is happening right now. Uh, and of course, that umbrella covers land surveying that it's, it's, um, there's so much opportunity out there. It's unbelievable. It really is. Um, how about you, Jim? You got anything to add to that? He's like, no. He's like, no, you put <laughs> you me on the spot. Yeah, but I mean, but all serious though, I mean, when I look at land surveying, I mean, it's been incredibly good to me as far as a profession goes and a career choice. And I look at everything that land surveying incorporates. And, and I, I made a note here, like I personally think it's probably one of the top five coolest career 
paths a person could take. Wait, wait a second. So you're saying it's, it's th- way th- cooler is... than geotechnical engineering or whatever the hell you I, do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue. It's but true. It's my true. notes here says land surveying is one of the top five coolest careers. I googled that. It, it came up. <laughs> oh really? I googled <laughs> top five coolest <laughs> careers, and land surveying was there. If that was true, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, well, yeah. That's yeah. The exactly. Point. Yes. exactly. So. <laughs> Let's make it happen, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think just as far as perspective goes, I mean, we talk a lot on this show about this topic, mm-hmm. and it seems mm-hmm. like we're all scratching our heads here. It's like, man, you get to this, and you get this, and all these good things. Uh, there has to be some downside, or we always, everybody that, that we have on the show always says, man, it's the best career out there it's the best decision i've ever made i'm i guess i'm opening up to the to the panel here uh what about the other side why are people leaving the profession or why Mm -hmm. do kids or people that have a choice why do they choose i'll use the civil design path versus Mm -hmm. a surveying path why is that and I think that's where we should focus a little more on instead yeah. of talking w- amongst ourselves of a bunch of yeah. surveyors about how great surveying is and yeah. don't understand why no one else likes it. Well, um, let me throw this out there. I think that, you know, using that example, whether it be like the civil engineering path, architect's path, whatever, it's more socially acceptable okay. to be a civil engineer or an architect or what have you than it is to be a land surveyor. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that. Well, I, I think that's the point is you don't mean it as in a negative way, yeah. but let's call a spade this, a spade it's a here, guys. It's the reality it's, of it. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way it is. Uh, so I'm interested in what Jim has to think because he's one of the few individuals that we talked to that went to a, you know, you could call it a, a technical school and went straight in the survey curriculum. Like, how did you get into that and what do you think about the, the the path of deciding whether you go, you know, which, which way you go? Yeah. So I agree with, with Kent on the whole socially acceptable type deal. Like I'll get to your question in a second, but I just, I think that up until, and maybe still, right. Like you say, you're a surveyor and somebody's like, Oh, you're the guy that's taking pictures on side of the road. Like a lot of people still think, Oh, you're doing manual labor. You're, you're less of a professional. You're less of a, of whatever than a civil engineer right i think that's that's still definitely perceived that way until you actually get into the career and understand what it is but but as far as how i got into surveying it was it was what you guys mentioned before my my mom was a a college college guidance counselor at a Mm. high school she knew about the penn state program and and just kind of progressed right into penn state and and when you're there it is definitely hard like there's civil and surveying at penn state are very similar there's only a couple different classes that you take to be a civil engineer as compared to a surveyor um you could actually go five years at penn state and you could do a dual degree you come out with a degree in surveying engineering and you come out with a civil engineering degree that's how similar they are but just the two different perceptions on on oh you're in the surveying engineering program compared to the civil engineering program is is still so at least when i was there it was still like socially different what, what what about you mike you're you're in a in a company that offers kind of both services or multiple different engineering and surveying departments do you see that the same way is the is the survey department the 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 blue collar and the other guys are the white collar i mean is that 
Um, here, no. Um, one of the reasons I, I I came to work here when I when I got out of Renton Tech was because there were two principal surveyors here at an engineering company. So I knew that the that there was uh, you know a built-in respect for surveying as a as a profession. There were surveyors in leadership here. And that was important to me because I've worked at companies where that wasn't the case. Mm, that's important. And we were, you know, survey departments are almost always in the basement. Um, so <laughs> if, if your office has a basement, that's where the survey department typically is. But, um, but no, I, to me, I don't see that there is a, a terribly negative perception about surveyors. I think there's a, we have an awareness problem. Yeah. I don't think people know who we are and what we do. Yeah. And, you Very. know, so it's it's normal for a guidance counselor to tell a kid that's good at math that he should get into engineering and a kid that's good at art and math that he should get into architecture or something like along those lines there are these these go-to you know career paths or educational paths higher education paths for guidance counselors when a when a, a student you know displays a certain skill set and surveying, along with lots of other professions, don't fit into that matrix anywhere. Um, even though we're an absolute shoe-in for for a lot of the same skill sets. So, it's to me, it's awareness and and a lot of the things that that are going on at the national level and with get kids into surveying and and some of these other efforts that are that are going on is hoping and pushing to change that. And that's not an overnight right. Thing. It's yep. going to take a lot of time, but, but I've, I mean, as recently, I was the state president of LSAW in 2015. And, and at that time, you know, I'd go to NSPS meetings and we would have, there would be, every state was kind of doing their own thing, all trying to, to move in that direction, but independently, there was yep. so much redundant effort mm. going on in our industry to, to reach that, you know, I guess in outreach. Yep. And it seems like now there's really a more focused national effort. And I'm hopeful that states can just sort of piggyback on that effort and we'll see a little bit more consistent outreach that over time I think will change things. But because we have all of the we have all the bells and whistles that that someone that would thrive in our profession would would love. And I think more than than these these professions that are at the tip of a guidance counselor's tongue. I mean, we right. we're better in in a lot of ways. So, and it's compensation's great, variety's great. You use your hands, you know, you use your head to get your hands dirty. It's a it's a, it's an awesome profession. So, yeah. I think we just have to do a better job of making people aware of it. Hello, Geoholics. I'd like to take a second to thank our good friend Trent Keenan and the folks at Diamondback Land Surveying. Diamondback Land Surveying LLC provides complete surveying, mapping, and construction staking solutions for residential, commercial, and public work projects. DBLS is a firm made up of highly skilled professional land surveyors with over 200 years of experience in the public land survey system and construction surveying. Their survey teams take great pride in being professionals in all aspects of their work and emphasize on-time service that maintains an excellent reputation in the construction and development communities by consistently providing top-notch to their clients www.diamondbacklandsurveying.com. They are dedicated to building and maintaining an excellent reputation. And I do think that change is happening. I really do. Because like, what was mm -hmm. it, last year I was at the Seven State Surveyor Conference uh, and uh, 
uh, you know, the Geohawks had a booth set up there. And so I got to see the traffic of people coming through. And there were a lot more younger folks, you know, coming through the exhibit hall and that type thing. And it was very promising. So I do think that there is a movement taking place. And like Mike said, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, we, we've dug ourselves into a, a pretty deep hole that we're collectively and collaboratively digging ourselves out of. Um, but it, it, it's going to take some time. It's just a matter of, you know, the fractured efforts, you know, just like you said, Mike, there's a lot of, lot of different things happening in the, in the various states, um, but it's, it's kind of fractured. If we could just kind of collectively come together and be more collaborative with those efforts, I think we can make a much bigger impact. So is it like uh, when you're, you know, the you said the the tip of the guidance counselor's tongue, you know, mm-hmm. if if you're good at math, you should go into engineering. If yep, you know, if you're good at math and art, you're in architecture. And is it if you mm-hmm. like the outdoors and you like math, you go into surveying, or or what? what is, you know, what is it? Yeah, you know, no, from an engineering so ca- my from an engineering standpoint, it's yeah. if you can't pass dynamics, then maybe surveying is is, is for you. But <laughs> I know you can't get past calculus. I, yeah, no, it's like if you hit a certain be a surveyor, <laughs> right? Be a surveyor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Peter, sounds That's like not you, for Penn State. You got to take them all at Penn State. Yeah, so well, it's exactly. You, you get in those four year degrees, you still have to yeah. do the same stuff. So, yeah. 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 Well, well, you have something to say, Peter? What's going on? Yes, I know, yeah, Peter, no, you disagree with me. I know there's a lot more to it than that. <laughs> it's well, what we've been doing in, in Australia and in New South Wales, we've got a task force that's been around for 10 years now that big industry bodies put money into so that we can go out to the schools, we can provide days and things like that. And, you know, we've started to see the change and started to see the, okay, let's not just focus on those maths kids doing, you know, really high-level maths because that's not all our industry is anymore. There's so many different areas. So, you know, do you like tech? Do you like the outdoors? Are you good at maths? Do you like geography and history? There's all these different things. Whatever you like, there is a spot for you mm-hmm. in surveying. Mm. And so, you know, depending on which which way you want to go into it, you know, whether it's that lower level at the vocational level or, or the university level, there's different ways and different things that you can focus on. Yes, you've got to do your foundation stuff. You've got to do the theory. You've got to do the maths. You've got to do all that kind of stuff. But once you get through, there's so many different areas that you can focus on, like, you know, your scanning and your LIDAR and all that kind of stuff. Or you want to do, you want to be a CAD person and work with all of the point clouds and the 3D and, you know, the digital twin stuff that's happening, all those different things. There's so you want to go out and bash pegs in the ground. You can do that. There's so many different ways of um, creating a career for yourself in Spain. And so that's what we're really pushing at the moment. Every time I speak to someone, it's like the kids, it's like, what do you want to do? We've got something for you. Come and have a look, come and see what there is. So what would you say, and kind of open it up to everybody, like that next generation, you know, right now, I think the current generation and all the, all the surveyors out there now are, you know, a pretty, it's in one little box. And I know what, like what PETA is big on is opening up that box to a lot of different type of people and different skill sets. So what Mm -hmm. are some of those different skill sets? And I mean, maybe I'm, uh, ask this question do you have to be good at math to be a good surveyor or to get into no. the business no. I no. don't I'm the first one to say no <laughs> I know you're terrible at maths because first of all you say it maths and we don't don't understand that but uh, but I don't think everybody knows that 
I don't think that's communicated well. You don't necessarily have to be a whiz at algebra to make this a profession. I think the biggest... Oh, sorry, go, Mike. I'm sorry, Peter. Um, I would say that math is one of those things that is is held up as, as, you know, a foundational element of land surveying. And that's true. It absolutely Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. The the tools at our disposal to make math a little bit more of a background element of what we're doing is it are so much more prevalent in our day-to-day work now. I mean, we, we don't, we're not looking at trig tables anymore. You know, we're not, we're, we have software and, and all of those things. You have to have a fundamental understanding of what the software is doing, but you don't have to love math at all. But like Peter said, if you do love math, there is an amazing, path for you in surveying. Yeah. I mean, some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life are the, you know, like Gavin Schrock handling the WSRN and all the background information and Larry Signani. And I mean, there's, there's these brilliant people. And then there's people like me that are not mathematically inclined. Ah, So you're not the only one. (laughs) I love surveying from the day I got into it because of the variety, because of how interesting it was. And I got into boundary surveying and there's not math and boundary. You know, it's it's history, it's interpretation, it's it's solving puzzles, you know, so maybe some of those elements are the same, but I, I don't know. I I think I think this 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 push to to tell people that are thinking about surveying that math, you have to love math to get into it is wrong. Um, I think I think you have to have a respect for it and and certainly apply it, but mm-hmm. you don't have to love it. Mm. Let me throw this out there. I think, you know, it's a generational thing. How do we make surveying appealing to the the younger generation as it exists today? By showing them what, what there is out there. But they're to- but they've, they've, they've grown up it, totally different. They've grown up with a, you know, a smartphone in their hand since they've been five exactly. years old, right? Yeah, I think, I think the tech, right? Like, I mean, yep. look at my title, right? I'm technology program manager, the surveyor, right? But I think... I think the tech is going to do it. You see us out there flying drones rather than set up on a tripod. You see scanning people out there. You like crap. You get an iPhone and it has a scanner in it now, right? Like there, these terms, these tools that surveyors are using now are more and more mainstream. And I think that's going to, I think we're going to see a wave, right? I think once these kids kind of grow up, it, 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 that alone might push some kids in our industry more than, more than we think. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing, I, I'm kudos to Sean. I mean, you know, most people listening know that we work for the same company. Um, and, you know, Sean's big on hiring, you know, interns, you know, these young kids that are either wrapping up college or just graduating, whatever. And I don't want to say I was against interns, but I was a little, um, I don't know. I was like, wow, I mean, what, what, how, how, how is that going to work for surveying, you know? But the thing that I've learned as a result of this is that these kids learn at such a rapid pace. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And they need to be challenged, like, all the time. They, they, they just they pick up on things so quickly. And that's another reason why I think that surveying is just, you know, it should, it should be something that is, you know, very, very appealing to these, these you know, these, these, these kids coming out of engineering school or what have you. Um, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think this the generation that we're dealing with from, um, you know, the, 
the new grads is just a whole different breed of human being, really. It's pretty incredible. I just think if you can show a, a kid in high school a, a, a drone and they can take their phone and put it on the little thing and then all of a sudden they're collecting data and then that comes back and then they can look on their phone and see what that drone did. Yes. I think that could connect like a lot of those results, dots. Right. Yeah. That yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yep. Instant gratification. Instant and the gratification. thing that's in their yep. phone has the, is the tool that they mm-hmm. would use. I don't think a lot of the kids realize that huge selling point, I think to that generation. Oh, no yeah. question. But I think it, it goes beyond that too. If you took 10 kids with different personalities mm-hmm. and put them at a surveying company for a month, they would walk away from with 10 different things that they thought were amazing. Right. And that's that's the thing that surveying touches on so many different things. Like Peter said, you have history, you have the legal aspect, you know, the researching aspect, the mapping aspect, the the technology aspect. I mean, it's not all about tech and I don't think we want to get lost in the tech. Um, It's a profession and the technology are the tools. It's a hook. I think the technology is a hook for sure. I agree. I agree that it's, it's, it's certainly something that, that we want to expose people to, but Mm. I, Mm. I just, it's not an easy thing to explain to someone either. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so there's so much to it, yeah. right? So, but one thing I know is that everyone that I know that fell into surveying because that's you know maybe with the exception of Jim, we all seem to fall into it. Um, you know, it's it's not something that we graduate from high school, go to college for it, get a job, and have a career. It's it's almost it happens by accident sometimes, but not a lot of people leave it. If, oh God! If, yeah. Yep. You know, no once once they're in it, and the, you know, I guess excluding terrible economic conditions or something, but but people tend to love it, and they love it for different reasons. I, I think you find the people that leave um, aren't treated well, aren't paid well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that's the main reasons why mm-hmm. they're getting out, or it's their body can't handle it. I think they're the probably the main reasons, but the the pay mm-hmm. and the the company, the treatment that they get. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Mm, it is. Cause you know, we, I'm sure we've lost a lot of really, really good surveyors as a result of, uh, yeah. you know, those unfortunate situations. Mm. But you know, on that note, you know, and again, kind of springboarding off this, you know, next generation of surveyors, um, you know, what, what, what do you think the required skill set you know, looks like for those folks? They need to think they need to be able to problem solve. And then depending on what they're interested in, I think you still need those problem solving skills. You still need to, to be able to go, oh, I, that there's a problem there or we need to be able to fix this and actually be able to think and not just be given the answer. Mm-hmm. I know when I've been teaching and I've had students over the years go, well, you've given us a question to do. Can we have the answer? And it's like, no, actually have a go, have a go at it first and then I'll give you the answer and then you can work out why you got it wrong sort of thing. Yep. So there is that, that, you know, we want it, we want it now, but you have to get them to start going, no, let me just think about what's, how do I need to get over to there or, well, you know, what do I need to pick up out of this? Use your brain. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you think like, um, you know, video games that, you know, that, that mm. develops a mind uh, in, in a certain way. I mean, these, these kids are playing these, you know, complex video games from, Gosh, I don't know what uh, what age do kids start playing video games? Five. I don't even know. Five o'clock. No, five no, o'clock. No. Five years five old. O'clock. Five o'clock. Yes. They start playing at five. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if it's like, I mean, that but that's crazy. You know, how how do you think that plays into the opportunity to get them involved in surveying? I think it's good and bad. Yeah. Um, 
I think well, it develops their brain in a certain way. Yeah, and I think that regardless of what we think, it it is it the the fact is not not arguable. You know, the the kids play a lot of video games, so I think it's up to us that are the the whiny old folks saying, yeah. "Why can't we get kids into surveying? We need to figure out a way where we can." touch on what they already like and what they're already doing and totally the benefits of this as a profession. Yep. And if we sit here and complain that all oh, these kids, all they do is play video games and they are not interested in serving. Well, that's our fault. I totally agree. I agree hundred percent. And I really like Goodbye. when, when, uh, um, uh, Elaine had yes. the opportunity, uh, the Minecraft right, yeah, Minecraft. to add in, you know, the, uh, a surveying aspect of like they're doing this exact same thing. They're like building things in a line and in yeah. a 3d environment. Like I think it's up to us to connect those two dots for them or for the guidance counselors to show them that, that, mm-hmm. that this is what we, you can do with this. We have a math teacher who is using Minecraft in his math class oh, well. to teach surveying and coordinates and position and, and navigation and stuff. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think we're seeing it with, with our in our company, right? We have all the a mechanical, civil, architect, whatever we name it, we have it. And a lot of these kids coming out of college, they jump right into these three D softwares and yep. are just whizzes at it. Like the video games have completely changed the kind of people we're getting from a three D mindset. And I think maybe, and I think serving is getting there, right? With the scanning, the, the drone work kind of being 3D now. I, I think the quicker we, we kind of go 3D, right? We, we make contours, right? But a lot of contours are still flat maps yep. showing, mm-hmm. showing elevation relief. Like once we start kind of trying to incorporate some sort of 3D element into that other side of surveying, I, I think that can drive some, some people there too. Maybe we need a video. Maybe we need to develop a. I've been this, saying this. this. Is the life I know of where a you're going. Yes. Video game, and you know, part of the challenge is all right. You get some some questionable calcs in the morning, and then it's yeah. like a Frogger game. You got to dodge traffic <laughs> yes. to get the monument out there, and then you've got to go and deal yes. with this client yelling at you, and that's like a. Yes. And then when you're finished, you get a you get a paycheck, and then yeah. it's almost like a a, a surveying sim game. Yeah, and then it's like a three player yeah. game, and you got the guy in front cutting line for you. And <laughs> right. stuff like, yeah, oh, exactly. Go left. Right. <laughs> what about yep. what about a mobile mapping? You know, yeah. and, and you have to drive from one place to the next as fast as possible, and then the faster you drive, the longer you have to post process your GPS readings. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There's a there was a there's a professor at Penn State that for his so back up one of my interns I pulled a couple of years ago was from Penn State. He was going to school for surveying engineering, and he had a game design minor. He was going for mm. video game design minor. He was working with this professor at Penn State to do a virtual reality surveying labs. So when they can't go out and and do their labs, right, they just go into VR and start doing their surveying labs, which kind of off the wall, but in theory it works, right? Yeah. Oh, it does. Um, Trimble are doing that. They've got a VR program that you can go out and go onto a site and knock pegs Mm. in and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. I saw something, I saw an article the other day, how like artificial intelligence was going to, oh man, it was, as as it pertains to like drawing plats and things like that, where you wouldn't need to like hand draft or even like have a person behind using AutoCAD, there'd be some sort of artificial intelligence program that would take the data that you provided and draw the plat for you and that type of thing. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. 
Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Who knows where this technology is going to go? But I will tell you this, that if, uh, you know, the number of surveyors doesn't increase, our, our, our clients we work with on a daily basis are going to find ways to not use surveyors and figure out a end around game. Yes, to absolutely. They the will. same thing. Because they will still need to build things in the correct location. Yep. And if there aren't surveyors to tell them, they will find another way. They will find another way. Yep. Yep. That's a little concerning. Mm. But anyways, um, I think that's very concerning. I, I don't think surveyors will ever go, but sure. we do have to be careful of mm-hmm. who does come and take the place of surveyors and what yeah. they do. Yeah. So what I mean, like what, like Peter, in your case, um, like what, what are some of the things that you see in the future that could be either uh, threats to the industry or um, you know assets to the industry? As far as you know, whether it be technology or human capital or whatever, I mean, what 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 does that look like from your perspective? Mm, I think the threat we have is the technology, mm-hmm. um, and as to who uses the technology, because I know that there was the conversations that came up about you know people using scanners and all that kind of stuff, and not actually understanding the background to it and how yeah. it actually fits in and how you you know get your control and you know is it precise is it accurate you know how far away are are these points that you're scanning there's all these different things that Mm -hmm. surveyors and and the surveying profession need to be at the forefront of it and and explaining to the to these people no you have to make sure that this is happening that you are doing these steps and you need the surveyor to control it you know that that's i think that's one of the biggest things is the technology Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the users of the technology definitely. And yeah. Mike and Jim, I mean, that was one of the things that we talked about on the on the panel at RCN: the importance of constraining, you know, the the, the point clouds or the, the scan data, um, you know, w- w- to survey great accuracy. Um, what do you think about that, Mike? Well, I I think technology is obviously something that's that's here to stay, and and mm-hmm. you know, there's there's. You know, if you think about the the total amount of surveying work that has to get done on an, any given day or month or year, it has to get done. You know, to support the development of of our society or the protection of property rights or you know whatever element of surveying you want to talk about. And some combination of people and technology are going to meet that need. And the fewer people that are available to meet it, the more technology will play a part. And so I I think as far as a threat goes, it's it's probably if if technology becomes too big of a part and people become less of a part, mm. then you know you start looking at things like deregulation and, mm. and there 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 isn't a a protected space for surveyors anymore. Or yeah. if you want to look at it another way, the public is no longer protected by surveyors. Yeah. So I think um, you know that that to me is the biggest threat to the profession is that it's not a profession anymore. Mm. That's a whole nother podcast. Right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. No doubt. What do you think, Jim? Uh, I think the threat, again, is along the technology side of things, but I think it's more on education, right? Like we have these, these manufacturers out there, just they want to sell as many units as they could, right? Mm-hmm. They don't care who they sell them to, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like that you go do this and it's accurate within a 16th of an inch. All right. I understand what a 16th of an inch means, but... Does the person think that, oh, I just scanned this whole site and now it's a 16th of an inch accurate everywhere? Like, it's that to me is, is 
pretty scary. Like I get where they're coming mm-hmm. from, right? They're huge businesses need to sell a lot of stuff, but uh, they just got, you gotta be careful. Yeah. Who, where it's going in the hands of, of who. Yeah. And so, I think that comes back to part of the education um, of the community of surveying and what it is and to, to understand the importance of it. Yeah. So what do we have in our favor? You know, I mean, I don't know. We all know what a SWOT analysis is, right? The strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Um, what are the strengths that the profession still has? I think we all know what those are. Do you think we do or we don't I think know? we do. I think everyone yeah. and every every one of our listeners knows what the strengths are, and I think we've, we're, we're good at highlighting those. Mm-hmm. You get to work outside, you know, it's a... Yeah, I don't know. Everything else that we always talk about, uh, mm-hmm. we complain there's no surveyors in the industry. We talk about all these good things. Mm-hmm. What's the bad things? Kind of where I started before. Like, yeah. why? what is preventing people and kids from getting into surveying right now? Mm-hmm. One, I think, is exactly what we're talking about. There is the threat that this is a dying profession. Mm-hmm. Not accurate, but there is that threat that's out there. Yeah, I mean, statistically, it's accurate, but... But I'm saying is the threat that eventually it's all going to be automated in drones and there's not going to be a need for a physical person that's a surveyor. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception there. Yeah. There's always going to, there's always going to be a human component, especially on the Mm -hmm. legal side. There has to be, but I don't think everyone knows that. And that's a weakness of the profession is that Mm -hmm. not enough people talk about Yes, there will always be a need for a human component to this and and as a career. I think I'm onto something here. I think we're going to do something where we're going to ask listeners to do like do a SWOT analysis of the profession of land surveying. I think that would be so interesting to see responses. So, what are the other weaknesses? Well, so the, the strengths are are what? what? What what would we list as the strengths? I don't want to give it all away because I want to hear independent uh, responses <laughs> to this. But the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats. We talked about the threats pretty in depth. Opportunities quite honestly, are endless, if you think about it, from a geospatial perspective. We talked about the opportunities a lot. Yeah. We haven't even said the word metaverse yet. We haven't, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. We made it 52 minutes in this episode without mentioning the metaverse. Yeah. And And it was you. And it was me. I know. Yeah. Yeah, and the weaknesses, you know, I mean, I think we know what that, that and the, those are some of the things we've talked about, you know, during this episode already. I just don't um, think that we're addressing those as head-on as we are everything else, and I think we need to yeah. be more upfront with what the what we mm-hmm. think the reasons are and to, that's causing the decline in the profession and yeah. why it's harder to get kids into survey. Yeah, yep, yep. What do you think, Mike? You know, I think I think we're addressing or trying to address weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I've spent enough time in in associations and yep. and meetings and committees and and things where there's a, just a, a tremendous number of people working to address those weaknesses. The problem is, it's just an incredibly complex web mm-hmm. of of interdependent weaknesses, right? I mean, if you fix one thing, you create another weakness, and and there's this it's it's just really really difficult to deal with and and i think you know that's where the that consistent approach hopefully from the national side where we can where we can really get our heads wrapped around those weaknesses and then push that out to the to the states um i think would be helpful but but i you know the weaknesses are are 
are not new. We've known about them a long time. We've wanted to fix them for a long time. And, and we've been, you know, marginally successful. And, and I think that's, that's normal, right? I mean, they're tough. They're tough to deal with. Yeah. Yep. Well said. How about you, Jim? What do you think? You're on mute, buddy. Had to go. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> Somebody had to do it. All right. Uh, so I, I, I think the weakness is, at least in PA, right? Like our surveying society or our PSLS, whatever you want to call it, they are old. We'll, we'll say it, right? They're old. They're, they're, you can say it. It's happening. Every, okay. every state is in the same boat. I can assure mm-hmm. you they're, of that. Yeah. They're 70s. There's, they're up there, right? Like they're not anything about changing anything. They want to do things the old way. And yeah. and I think the other the problem is there's not enough of us younger guys. We're mm-hmm. and we're swamped, right? Like we have so much to do. We don't have time to be getting involved in the PSLS and and at least in the leadership perspective, right? Like I think that is where it's tough because they're still controlling like they're like that generation of serving and kind of pushing it through the state. I, I think that's it's tough to how do, how do you fix that? I'm, well, it's interesting you say that because I mean, just from where I'm sitting and seeing things on social media, that you're seeing all of these young surveying networks coming up in the different states. So they're really starting to realise that they need to start having a voice, and they're pushing it out there now. And and I've noticed that. Um, like at the national level over there that they're starting to support it as well um, sort of thing. So I, I think that's changing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't seem to have that young surveyors network over here as much, mm-hmm. um, but we have a very good um, the institution, the associations across Australia um, are very good at including all the people um, no matter what age you are sort of thing and, and pushing that younger, yep. younger generations. I, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to say it quick. I mean, a weakness I think is, is the state by state licensure, right? Like Agreed. you need yep. it for certain, certain aspects, right? Like boundary survey and PA is different than West Virginia, but, but a majority of surveying, right? Like I, I, my personal opinion is you don't need, to be licensed in every single state to be able to know how to go and do certain like topo surveys or control, right? Like yep. that's just my opinion, but I just, I just think that's hurting. Right? I agree. Certain people can only work in certain states and that's, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. And I, I, I like to see what's going to happen in the future with that. But I, yeah. I think there should be some sort of different type of licensure that can maybe transfer between states or similar states, right? Like similar states. New England yeah. states. Yeah. You have the new England states that are the 13 colonies our, our meets and bounds. And then you have the PA, PLS yep. states. Maybe, maybe there's something, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I do think, you know, let's, let's, let's end on a positive note. Uh, we got to spend some time with Tim Birch when we were at Trimble oh, Dimensions yeah. here, yeah. you know, what was it a month ago at this point? <laughs> it was a month guess. ago. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was a, a month. Had yeah. a really good conversation with Tim and, uh, he's got some great ideas, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. he, he's of course, you know, leading, uh, NSPS right now. And, uh, you know, his biggest challenge is getting some of that old guard, like Jim mentioned, on board with what he would like to see happen. You know, that, that, that's going to be his challenge. But he's got some great ideas, and mm-hmm. uh, it does seem that there are a lot more younger folks becoming involved with NSPS at that level, uh, which is very promising. But, 
you know, regardless, we, we have our challenges. We've talked about them. We've talked about, you know, some, some possible solutions and that type of thing. And that's, that's the important thing. We just have to keep talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic. I really am. If you talked to me like two years ago, I would be like, oh man, we're screwed type thing. But I think that as a result of a lot of the conversations that are happening and a lot of the people, um, you know, picking, picking up the, the reins and trying to do some things to, to combat what's happening, um, a difference is being made. But I also think there's room for us to be more collaborative and work on on these issues collectively. And I think it's that that branding and, and maybe it's not branding is not the right word, but I just think of like the army commercials now. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, and yep. they are clearly marketing to a different demographic yeah. and kids coming out of school and who knows what they think they may have done and yep. hey, did you realize you can do also this in the army and mm. this and and I'm and it's just man, that's if there yeah. was a national survey commercial that said hey by the way did you know this is yeah, a per- I mean, you, you know it, it, it's almost just reshaping that on a national sure. level that we can all jump behind the same message yeah i i think you're on to something there sean that's great. awesome great idea well new south wales association is doing a marketing thing to get out there and and have ads and radio ads and tv or whatever mm-hmm. to or, or online um about surveying and and interesting what it is and yeah so you know we're sort of doing that sort of stuff maybe should there, well. there should be a podcast where people talk about these things that in a media <laughs> form that that kids like to listen to wow. I, maybe that's an idea i don't, I don't know so, genius, something for the future idea. yeah hey we're gonna get mark <laughs> taylor on the case he's gonna he's gonna produce a commercial for us i think that's a good idea yeah Awesome. What else? What else? You guys got anything else you want to talk about before we jump out of here? I appreciate your time. That's for sure. I know Peter's got to get going. She's got a, uh, uh, a black tie event she needs to get to. It's not black tie. It's just lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas lunch. <laughs> oh man. How about you, Mike? Any parting, uh, parting words, words, words. Yeah. I mean, words? I, I would echo what you said a, a few minutes ago. I mean, I'm optimistic too. And there's a, there's a lot of great people working really hard. Um, in support of our profession and I and I think it's none of it's simple none of it's going to happen quickly but it's but it's slowly working in the right direction and I'm I'm optimistic I mean I look to the future you can't predict what technology is going to replace and I I try just not to think about it very much because it's kind of terrifying I mean I have two kids about to about to prepare to go off to college and it's like what do I Mm. advise them on on pursuing as a career I mean what is going to be viable 25 years from now. I mean, I'm, GIS. I'm, getting, I'm starting to get old. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this thing out and retire and be okay. But yeah. you know, I, so anyway, but yeah, I, I'm optimistic. I think, I think we have a great profession. There's, there's a lot to love about it and, and, you know, just keep making progress. Love it. Appreciate that. How about you, Jim? I agree. I think, I think where we're, we're heading is, is the right direction. Um, the tech good bad but i think it's still going to be a hook like you mentioned it's gonna it's gonna hook some new talent and some different type of people into our our industry and, and yep. it could only be for the better so love it yep well said appreciate that jim peter you got the last word mm. no pressure okay. no pressure now i think um look it is good and and things are changing and it's just getting the surveyors to talk about surveying to everybody and then, because they never used to do that. Whereas now you sort of speak to the surveyors and the younger surveyors and go, 
tell your story, tell everybody what you're doing, you know, the different things. Mm. And I can see it happening. So, you know, the more we get the word out there, the more kids are going to know about it. You know, I've had probably um, three or four parents come to me and sort of say, oh, my kid's not really that smart, but they like the outdoors and could they maybe try surveying? And so it's like, you know, because they know what I do. So it's about spreading that word and getting it out there further and further for everybody to know that there is different options available. Yep, for sure. Sean, anything else, bud? Hey, great input tonight. Thank you. We're going to make you a surveyor yet. You know, I'll I'll go kicking and screaming, but... No, you won't. You're going to love it. You already do. Um, He's a bit I, old, isn't he? I, you know, yeah. He'll bring the average age of the surveyor down a little bit. That's I, I might bring well, the average true. age of a surveyor down. Uh, no, I think uh, we, we, we have this conversation a lot, and I think uh, I'm optimistic as well, and I think the, the focus we can move on is how do we take it from a conversation to what we can actually do that can actually make a difference. And this is the start of it, and mm-hmm. yep. uh, I'm excited for where the future and where it's going. Just got to keep it going, right? Yep. Keep the positive momentum going. All right. Hey, Mike, Jim, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Great thank conversation. Um, would love to have you guys come back another time and, and continue because there's a lot more that we could talk about. And, you know, like Sean said, just got to keep talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Adding value, making friends. Another perfect example, right? If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show or has any topical suggestions, shoot us an email at info at the Mention Patreon. Why, why did I say mention Patreon? <laughs> That's so weird. That's a, is this like a Joe Biden thing? I'm reading the teleprompter. You are reading the teleprompter. We have a Patreon account. Find it by going to <laughs> patreon.com and make a donation. We'll send you a fan pack. Aerosmith, Living on the Edge, available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. Hug a surveyor. Be safe and healthy. Thank you to our 2022 friends of the program. Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com. Airworks, airworks.io. Bad Elf, bad-elf.com. Cyanic Automation, getjobbook.com. Diamondback Land Surveying, diamondbacklandsurveying.com. Extreme Aerial Productions, extremearialproductions.com. Get Kids Into Survey, getkidsintosurvey.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz. Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com. Nettleman LC Prep, lcprep.com. North Star Surveying, northstarsurveying.com. ProStar Corporation, ProStarCorp.com, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Topodot, new.certainty3d.com, and finally, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.